It's goosebump time in Oxford, Mississippi. Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. Legal Gambling Council. I guess we are technically week three. Week four. Week four, technically week one of SEC football. Uh, Year zero of Wayne Tiffin's uh, tenure. Yes, that is correct. Um, That is Benjamin Woodhouse over there. We have Nicholas Carr and we have Austin Gray. Gentlemen, welcome in to, like I said, week one of the SEC 10-game slate. How are we feeling this Wednesday evening? Not excited. Man, holy shit. Nobody else is excited. That was thrilling. I'm Um, excited. I'm sitting here on my back porch in lovely Oxford. It is... 59 degrees and raining i could not ask hey nick nick's probably the one person who knows this about me i love this kind of weather you love to see it yeah get as close to scotland as as possible so you just want to grab some range balls and get out there that's it yeah it's a it is a beautiful fall day outside it feels weird because it feels like it's early it feels like it's august still because in my mind, because we haven't started football yet, and so this this weather kind of feels like a pleasant surprise. But we're here, man. It's it's basically late September, and season's finally started. The longest off season of all time. Yeah, it is really weird to have fall weather prior to game one. Usually, it's nine thousand degrees. You know, as we get ready to kick at eleven a.m. against a directional school. So, yeah, I'm digging the fall weather. I don't like it as much as Ben, but it's it's good to have football weather. <laughs> it is nice. Hey, hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. We should start the season this late every year. Yeah, that's fine with me. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Nobody Um, likes going when it's 95 degrees. Nobody. 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 And we play the final final game of the year inside anyways in the Dome. How cold is it the first week of December in Mississippi anyways? Not that cold. No. Move Move the season back two weeks. All right, who, is, so, who is the we in that in that statement, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Te- so certain teams play. We at some point might play in the in yeah, the hypothetically. That's right. Yeah, I'm good with with moving it back. I'm good with uh, going well into December. I'm fine. Uh, so yeah, push it back, push baseball season back. You never know. Just mix it up. That's right. So, gentlemen, we we had ourselves another doozy of a week. Um, after going seven and one in week two, week three, we uh, we bucked our head again. Seven and three. Austin and myself had a uh, shot to add two more W's to that, but unfortunately, two of our picks, uh, the games were postponed. So right now, after three weeks, yours truly and the fellas here are eighteen and eight. Um, that's pretty damn good. Last time I checked, uh, that's winning at a 69% clip. Nice. Fade sack. <laughs> yeah, Fade. that's right. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, we're doing that on purpose, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Ben, the, uh, the, the reigning champ, is uh, pulling up the caboose. Three and four, though, so not terrible. And then you've I have got to get better. I started out 0 and 3, didn't I? 
or zero and two? Zero and two. Uh, so you, so you are getting better. Two and one last week. Louisville was a, was a bad beat there, but Austin four and two. Myself five and one, and Nick six and one uh, in first with an asterisk because uh, I probably get that over in the Charlotte UNC game, but. The Legal Gambling Council is purring, and uh, we're going to have some more winners for you this week. So, Nick, without further ado, the keys are yours. Let's go ahead and hop in the uh, in the Honda Odyssey, and let's get this thing going. <laughs> uh, I, you said it was a bad beat. Ben, I want to address this. Um, when you said bad beat, kind of implies <laughs> like it, was t- it was a tough beat. It was a – it, it was a – a bad like a like a generally bad pick beat. no it was a bad it was a bad it was a bad beat because he picked louisville because of corinth warrior uh brian i had to i had to no. be loyal they were hosting game yeah. day okay we we covered this caveat last week also also nobody expected at least i i guess nobody i've not watched a football game in a very long time and i've watched alabama score like 250 points on Ole Miss over the last four years. I have not seen a football game with receivers that wide open. In yeah, I, I couldn't tell you when. I mean, it looked like a high school game. They were literally running 30 yards downfield. Nick and I actually watched the game together. If y'all didn't know this, um, Nick has a projector, so he puts it on his garage door. It's pretty awesome. Fire pit, the whole deal. But um, uh, Louisville. I mean, there were a couple of times where we looked at each other we're like, that guy was 30 yards behind the DBs. It didn't happen just once either. <laughs> it was like two or three. It was it was really bad. Yeah, they, it was, le- it was so less. Had, Go ahead, Nick. Well, I was going to say they had two, two, two consecutive 75-yard one-play drives that resulted <laughs> in touchdowns, which is which – is, I've never seen that before. But, you, Ben, one of the plays you're mentioning was actually a run. That's how bad the play was. The guy was so open when he passed the line of scrimmage, it looked like a blown receiving coverage. So that, and then, and then they scored on that. And then the next time, it actually was a blown defensive lapse. And I, I, yeah, like I said, two straight seventy-five yard one play touchdown drives. It was less bad beat and more bad beating. It, it, it was, was a beating. It was a beat. <laughs> it, was. it really was. I mean, they they got uh, all over the field. All right, enough on enough on Ben. Sorry, I just had to really layer that one on real good. Oh, um, yeah, I guess we'll play it on thick. <laughs> we'll start off. Uh, this is not the biggest game of the week, but it is a Thursday game. Just want to see if you guys are going to be watching it. UAB uh, travels to South Alabama. They're given anywhere from six and a half to seven points. Uh, personally, I'm taking the Blazers. I think they're going to probably blow them out in state rivalry. But UAB, that's a different level of player than what they've got at South Alabama. I'm yeah, going to go not ahead. Gonna lock it in, uh, go ahead, Zach. Go ahead, Zach. Well, I was going to say I'm going to lock UAB minus five. Whoa. Uh, the best I can do for you is six and a half. Okay. That? Do that too. It opened it, it opened at five. And if I wrote that on the spreadsheet, I apologize. That's what I, that's what I was looking at. I've seen six and a half and I've seen seven, but I'll get six and a half. You know, I'll lay the points here too just to follow the group, but I really don't like this game at all. I think that South Alabama I, Thursday night games. I get it; the crowds aren't there, especially at this level. But I just I don't like the don't like the uh, game, and I'll just I'll lay the points. Are you questioning someone's ability to pack in fans during COVID? Yes, and you know, really, <laughs> people are are less inclined to yell when they're wearing their masks properly. Um, 
uh, at the same time, I mean, this there wouldn't be that much of a home field advantage at South Alabama anyway. But um, I'll take the Blazers. I guess I'll, I'll be contrarian here. It's a stay away for, for me, but I like Steve Campbell. I mean, he's a good coach. They actually impressed in week one, um, knocking off Southern and costing Jay Hobson his job. But um, I don't know. I think UAB's quarterback's a little banged up too. I didn't I didn't follow up on that because I didn't really have any interest in betting the game. But I think I'd trade carefully there if you are laying the points with the Blazers. Make sure the quarterback is healthy. Otherwise, like Zach said, it is a rivalry game. I think Nick is right. You would expect expect UAB to have a different caliber of athlete, but I don't know. I think South Alabama can hang around, maybe not win out, outright, but as you approach that key number of seven, it would be a difficult uh, a lay for me. So complete stay away. If I bet it, I would take the seven if you can get it or buy up from six and a half, but um, no interest for me. All right. A couple of uh, non-conference games before we jump in the SEC play. This one's going to be uh, game day, actually. It's at 7 o'clock, I think, on ABC. And it's, it's it's Ben's favorite Miami Hurricanes are hosting FSU, and they're laying 11. And the uh, over-under is 54. Hmm. Still, I'm still not sold on Miami. I don't know if it's just – I'm not a believer in Manny Diaz. I think Derek King is fun. Their defense is it, it is pretty damn fast. They play uh, they play pretty well defensively with Manny Diaz being a defensive minded head coach. I I think that they can win by eleven here. Is that what the line is? is that what you said? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Eleven. Okay. The over under fifty four. Uh, I'd probably take the under. This is probably going to be a really gross game. I could see like a 27-13, 27-10 win for Miami. Uh, Florida State's going to be without uh, Mike Norvell due to COVID. He is not going to be coaching. So that should throw a uh, another wrench into uh, this rivalry game. Miami's the better team. They have the, they have the better quarterback, better skilled players. Um, so I'd take the Canes. I'll jump in quickly. Um I am more sold on Miami uh, after last week, and this is not me overvaluing them for what they did to Louisville because, frankly, they exposed Louisville. But um, I I think it's a big deal that Mike Norvell is not coaching. Um, I think Derek King is, is very good, and I think that Miami is going to cover 11 um, quite easily, actually. So I'm going to lay the points at home. I, I get that it's a quote-unquote rivalry game. I don't know how – I mean, how long has it been since Florida State Miami really actually meant something, though? So uh, give me the Canes minus 11. I don't think it's particularly close. I, I like Zach's prediction of uh, 37 or 27 10. I think it's it's probably something more like 34 to 17. But either way, you know, they cover 11 easy. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I like this Miami team a lot going into the last week. I like them more coming out of the last week. The Florida State showed nothing. The Florida State team showed nothing against Georgia Tech that makes me think this game's going to be all that close. But 11 kind of leaves room, especially if it's a 17 point game late. Uh, I've lost too many bets about a team being up 17 points or, or even 13 points and giving up a late field goal or a late touchdown. Uh, so I, w- I wouldn't, I would, this is a stay away game for me, but I don't see this being close really, at, honestly, at all.
Austin, we got anything? Did we lose Austin? Sorry, here I am. Uh, I was might, on we, mute. There we go. Yes. Pulled a, I pulled a Nick. Um, so <laughs> I don't really know what to think about Miami. I, I, I was impressed last week with uh, their offense. I think Lashley is pretty impressive at offensive coordinator. On the other hand, Louisville had some key busts at times. As Nick mentioned, those two long touchdowns, uh, that, that touchdown run was just a complete um, – a botch on defense, a breakdown. They, the the entire defense <laughs> reacted to to motion, and sort of the entire right side of the field opened up. Um, I think Miami's a better team. I think they obviously have more talent than FSU at this point. Um, but it feels weird to me. It feels like this is one of those where it is a rivalry game, and you have one team who looked awful in their opener, but they've had some time to make adjustments to lick their wounds a little bit. I still have confidence in Florida State's coaching staff. I know Norvell is going to have to coach re- remotely or I, I don't know. They have to figure it out. But you would imagine that they're going to script heavily, you know, maybe the entire first quarter, script as much as possible without Norvell being able to make in-game adjustments, presumably. So I think Florida State's going to be scrappier than we anticipate. I don't know that they're going to ever have a shot to win the game, but 11 is a lot of points in a rivalry game. And um, you have to think Miami's feeling pretty good about themselves and been reading uh, the papers and and watching ESPN and, and reading social media. So I don't know. It's a complete stay away from a points perspective or from a, from a spread perspective rather i think the under is worth a look i don't think florida state's going to move the ball effectively against miami's defense Mm -hmm. and i can see florida state's defense rebounding in this one and playing up to what we expected out of them because their offense was not really expected to do much this year but their defensive line has talent should be salty including fab lovett from mississippi um so i think under's the play if you're going to play it i'd stay away from the spread yeah I think that's a good point. I mean, like you said, the FSU offense, if they're going to get enough points to help them get to 54, they didn't show it two weeks ago against Georgia Tech. All right, know, the other half of that – go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I was going to quickly say this. I know you cannot do this, but Georgia Tech got killed at home against Central Florida. The yeah. fact that they won at Florida State makes me think Florida State, they can lick their wounds for the rest of the year, and they're not going to be ready to play. I, I, I say all that, and they'll win by field goal. But – I just – I know you can't do that, but, man, Georgia Tech's a lot worse than I expected. Unless Central Florida is the 2020 national championship, which which could be. Could be. Yeah. Go ahead. Crazier things have happened, that's for sure. Yeah. Or, or, or currently happening. All right. Uh, the other half of that uh, Miami-Louisville game from last week, Louisville goes on the road to Pitt, and Pitt is laying three. And I almost locked this up. I'll just go ahead and get it out of the way. The Pitt defense is, is going to be the best – unit on the field that uh, on Saturday in that game. I don't think that I don't, I, I, mean, I saw Louisville's defense last week. I don't think they can fix that in a week. I'm not sure if it was scheme or if it's talent. And I don't think they're going to be able to score many points on pit. And I, I definitely don't think they're going to be able to stop pit a ton, at least like from what I saw last week, that's really close to a lock for me. I'm not going to lock it up. Uh, but I definitely think Pitt's going to take that by more than a field goal. This is a nationally ranked matchup at Heinz Field at high noon. So this is uh, this is much much must see television. If you got a second TV, second or third TV at the house while you're watching the Rebs, you can throw this one on. I think this is an absolute just under fest. Like this is if you are a guy that likes unders, this is going to be your game. I mm-hmm. uh, I think that. 
Uh, I think the Cardinals rebound defensively. I don't think they're going to get blown out like they did last week. And I think Pitt's just going to play Pitt football. Pitt happens. They're they're going to be physical. They're going to play defense. They're not going to try to do too much in the way of scoring points. So minus three. Um, I'd say I'm inclined to lay them, but just to be safe, I would stay with the total here, and I'd go with the under. Yeah, I'm laying them. Uh, I, I can't add anything to what y'all said. Lay the points. I'm not locking it in, but until Louisville gets together, I, I can't. I can't take them in anything, especially on the road right now. Um, do I think that Louisville has as good of athletes as Pitt? Yes, I do. I, I mean, I. Um, I think that that Louisville has good athletes. I just, I can't, I can't believe in them after what they did last week. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't have a good read on it. I, I'm with you, Ben. I don't have much confidence in what I saw um, from Louisville last week. And Narduzzi has Pitt feeling like some of those old Michigan State teams that he coached or was a defensive coordinator for, they, they're they scrappy. They're salty on defense. His defensive line is really good, and uh, I think he has the potential or they have the potential to get after Louisville all day. I don't think Louisville is going to move the ball very well. Now, again, Pitt's not really dynamic on offense either, but um, I give the edge to Pitt. I, I just don't really trust Louisville to get back up after last week and then go into a back alley brawl with a team like Pitt who, uh, who wants to slow it down and just ugly the game up in general. Um, so, yeah, I lean Panthers. All right, that's going to do it for the non-SEC slate for Saturday. We've got some other ones. We'll probably dive into some when we uh, close out the rest of our locks for the week. But we're going to take our break here, hear from our sponsors when we get back. Nick is going to uh, take us uh, even further down the road in the Honda Odyssey into uh, SEC country, and we're going to pick some conference games. So hang tight. We'll be back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments part of the Kelly English restaurant group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. 
The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome, has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic, and as always, OD encourages you to share sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here on Podcast Rebellion Legal Gambling Council. All right, we've talked a couple non-SEC games. Nick, we're going to get into week one of the Southeastern Conference. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Whichever order that you choose, I do not mind. Uh, okay, well then let's let's go ahead and, and go in reverse order. Just kind of throw things off a little bit. Mostly because I want to go ahead and lock this in before anyone else has a chance to, uh, to, to look at it. Alabama is going on the road to Missouri, and I believe they're laying 27 points. And the over under fifty six. I'm locking in under fifty six. I mean, Ooh, Missouri's not. Boy. Yeah, <clears throat> Missouri's not going to score a lot on Alabama. I mean, that's. I'm not really telling you guys anything you don't know, uh, especially with the shortened off season. Missouri still doesn't really know who their quarterback's going to be. If it's going to be Sean Robinson, transfer from TCU, or they've got a, a redshirt freshman, uh, Caraca, I think is his last name. Uh, that might be might be the guy. I, I don't. They don't know what they're doing offensively. Uh, Roundtree is a good back, but he wasn't exceptional last year. They lost a lot at the receiver position, and they I think they bring a good bit back on defense. I said that to say they're not going to stop Alabama a ton, but I don't necessarily think that Alabama is going to want to score a ton. They don't need to show anything. 
Uh, they don't really have their quarterback and their offensive situation kind of figured out. There's still a lot up in the air. I don't think they're going to embarrass them by any more than 42 points. Uh, and I don't think that Missouri is going to score 14. 42-14 is under 57. So I'm going to – excuse me, is 56, which is the, the number. And I think it will be under that. So I'm going to go ahead and lock that in. Wow. That uh, – hmm. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I uh, don't really know what to expect from Missouri offensively, and also uh, we got a little sneak peek at what Mac Jones can do, but that was last year with uh, a couple guys, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I think they're, I think Alabama's still going to be really good to dominate offensively uh, this season. But, uh, yeah, week one, a lot of, uh, hmm, a lot of unknowns. I do uh, I like Missouri to cover here just because it's a week one game. Not a lot to really go on. Maybe like a you know, 38-17 win. Alabama gets out to a big lead, just kind of coasts. Um, as we know, the thing with Alabama, they don't really coast because if they put their second, third, and fourth string guys in, they're still uh, better than most people's ones and twos. So, I think you're taking Missouri to cover here and uh, Nick's under pick. I do, uh, like I said, I don't hate it. So um, Alabama wins comfortably, but I think Missouri covers. Uh, just real quick, I want to say that I locked in under 56 and a half because I found a line at the William Hill Sportsbook that is 56 and a half. So I'll go ahead and buy that, get, grab that hook. Again. You want me to go? Okay. I, I'll just I'll go opposite Zach here. I, I think Alabama covers 27. I think that's the lowest line I, I saw. And for no other good reason than it seems like every time these two teams play, Alabama is just so much more talented than Missouri. I mean, they I don't know that they've ever recruited the same player besides maybe Doriel Green Beckham. Um, uh, truly, it's it's just a, a difference in class. Um, it is the first game, and I agree with Zach there. Uh, but but at the end of the day, I think that when you have two quarterbacks, let's say Mac Jones and um, what's the freshman's name, you it's it's as if I, we talked. I talked about this in in week one with Clemson and Burnby, but I'm going to do it again this time. Alabama's backups are better than anybody on Missouri's roster, so you can't tell those guys to not score. And I think that's that's going to present a problem for Missouri. I think that Alabama wins something like forty nine to seven. I, I see that the the spread is twenty seven and a half, so they're looking at forty two to fourteen given the spread and the total. Um, I think that that's about right. I think that, but I think Alabama's going to get a, one more touchdown better. So we're going forty nine seven here. Yeah, I agree with Ben. I think we we've talked about continuity in a program before on the pod. Um, Obviously, Saban and Bama are are about as stable as it gets from a continuity standpoint, and Mizzou is breaking in a new staff and a new system and, you know, trying to build, but they don't really return a lot uh, upon which to build. I think they're breaking in two or three starters on the offensive line, including a Rutgers transfer. When you are playing a Rutgers transfer, that's not good. That uh <laughs> You can actually get get reps on your team. They've had COVID issues recently too. 
Um, I think Nick mentioned Drinkwitz hasn't named a starting quarterback yet. I don't know if that's gamesmanship on his part or if they literally don't have a starting quarterback going into game week. Um, if it's the latter, that's clearly that's not fine. a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, the other thing is Bama last year sort of underachieved from a defensive standpoint. They had some injuries, um, but they finished outside the top 10 for the first time since Saban's first year last year defensively. I think they're going to want to prove a point in game one. Um, they did lose some guys to the NFL, but Bama always loses guys to the NFL. I think they're going to, to, to send a message in week one. I don't know that Mizzou gets into double digits. I'm with Ben here. I think Bama probably gets in the low 40s. Mizzou may not crack 10. I think they, they, they easily cover the 27. I don't think the over is ever in jeopardy, jeopardy either, so I'm with, I'm with Nick. I think under is a good play, but Bama probably rolls uh, week one. All right, not the only beatdown that will be happening in the uh, Ozark area, I suppose. Georgia goes on the road to Fayetteville. They're minus 24.5, over under 54. And before you guys go, I'm just going to go ahead and lump in and, and say you talk about whichever game you want, talk about neither. Vanderbilt goes to Texas A&M, and they are, Texas A&M is minus 30.5 and a, half and a 46 point over under. So that's Vegas saying basically they, they estimate the score is going to be roughly 38 to 7, uh, which is, I mean, as bad as a, a, a line I've seen not involving Alabama. Um, so, like I said, Georgia minus 24, Texas A&M minus 30 and a half. If you got a, uh, a lot, go ahead and throw that on there. I'll say I'm not going to lock anything, but A&M's going to cover. Vanderbilt's terrible. And I'm not locking it because I don't trust Jimbo Fisher and Kellen Mond to – if I was going to touch a lock, it'd be a total. And I, I don't I don't trust those two dorks. So still think A&M covers. Um, so I guess I'm saying that A&M's going to win 32 to nothing. Um, I can't really – I can't really add anything to either one of these games because, frankly, I have not read any about Arkansas and Vanderbilt. All I know is that both are going to be – You, don't, you, you don't need to. You don't need to. That's right. Um, I see that the the line is anywhere for, in the Georgia game from 24.5 to 26.5. And, and in the in the Vandy game, it's anywhere from uh, 29.5 to 31.5 or 31. Um, if I can get 20, oh gosh, that's so many points. I'll lay them in, in the Vanderbilt game. I, I just, I think that, um, I'll tell you what, I'll take the over in Vandy A&M and lay the points as well. And then in Georgia, Arkansas, um, I'm going to lay the points 24 and a half and take the under. So I think Georgia's going to win something like, you know, 45 to, or forty-two to ten, and 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 Van and A and M's going to win like, you know, forty-five to to fourteen or something, and and I don't know, I can't do math right now, but either way, I think that the A and M Vandy game is bigger score on both sides, and I think Georgia. I just don't know that Arkansas is going to score that much on Georgia. I, I frankly don't know how much worse Arkansas is than Vanderbilt. I mean, I I just or how much better? Excuse me. I just don't think they're about the same program right now. Yeah, I think both of these games are going to depend on really how badly the favorite wants to 
to to run it up. Um, you know, my guess is that Kirby won't be inclined to pile on to his boy Pittman. So I think they probably throw it into cruise control earlier than A&M does perhaps. On the other hand, you know, Vandy is just hapless. So I, I don't know. I mean, Vandy, I think, has had nine guys opt out due to COVID. When that many players opt out in a program like Vandy's, think about the, the quality of backup you're going to be leaning on. I mean, Vandy's going to be playing guys that probably would be starters in the Sun Belt or, or CUSA. So if if Jimbo wants to, to run it up, I don't think Vandy can do anything to stop him. Um I don't really have much in the way of analysis other than that. Just, you know, I think lay the points with Georgia um, at, at your own risk. I, I think Kirby probably calls the dogs off there a little early. Jimbo may want to justify his salary and, and run it up or maybe just accidentally covers. But I really don't have much interest in either of these. I, I yeah. don't know that it, it's a – the thing with Texas a and is I, you may, like you said, accidentally cover. But there may be nothing you can do. It might be 24 to nothing at the half, and it's all you can do not to win it. 38 to nothing. I, I just look, right. I'm looking at Vanderbilt's numbers. They don't return a quarterback who played at all last year. So they've got two juniors and two freshmen, none of which played last year. Um, they lose Keyshawn Vaughn, obviously, and their, their most yards returning uh, a running back is Keon Brooks. And he had uh, 252 yards last year on the ground. Uh, and then they've got one other singular, one other running back that, that played last year. And then they've got, uh, Two wide receivers that caught more than 11 passes last year returning. Oh, and they lose uh, seven of their top eight offensive linemen. I just, I mean, I'm looking at it. I mean, Bill C's got them at a, I think it's a 47% chance to go winless. And like the other 53%, I think it is like 50 of 50% one loss. So 97% chance at one loss or less. And that might be a little bullish. I mean, this is, this is, probably the worst offense to ever play in the play in the sec so i it's just <laughs> i hate to pile on them but i mean looking through it may, maybe they've signed a bunch of four and five star freshmen but i don't i don't think so uh all right let's see what what's next we've got uh probably one of the better games of the day uh kentucky i think this is the early oh, game Nick, kentucky I, I was gonna say i i hadn't chimed in yet but georgia lay the point oh sorry yeah, no, I'm sorry. No, I, ap- I apologize. I think I think it was well, I, I think it was uh, assumed. Yeah, <laughs> that's then no no matter what you do, just don't watch these games. Even you if you it. bet on them, that's one of those things. Just don't check bet it. on them. Do not bet don't, on those games. <laughs> <laughs> a win's a win, Ben. A win's a win. Uh, all right, Zach, you can go first on this one. Kentucky is going to Auburn, and I've got some lines at, at Auburn minus seven and a half, and others at eight. And then uh, the over under at forty nine and a half. Uh, seems, seems like a sharp line, uh, to me, honestly. This one's weird. Um, Zach, I'll go if you're not. If you want, no, here's I'm, else. I'm ready. I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase it. So, I, I know that it's Chad Morris is the is the new OC, and you know, is he really the OC? I know Gus calls plays a lot. Um, Mark Stoops has done a phenomenal job in Lexington, but I will say people forget that Bo Nix is a true freshman, um, took Auburn to nine wins a year ago. Um, make all the jokes you want about all the freshman mistakes. Yeah. He was handed a, handed a victory in week one against Oregon. They should have lost that game, but he still won a lot of games as a true freshman. And I think that, uh, you know, being quote unquote at home here, 
Um, you know, they're not going to be a ton of fans, but I think that Auburn can can handle Kentucky. I'm, I really want to say I would lay the points, but I think Mark Stoops has built a good enough competitive program there that uh, I think that they can cover. I do think you lean over in this game. I think there's going to be some points. I think Terry Wilson's back for for Kentucky. I think he's he's going to be uh, he's going to give him a spark offensively. It's not going to be the same as Lynn Bowden, but um, he's back from injury. So Auburn wins the game. I think Kentucky uh, will cover, and I would take the over at forty nine and a half. Yeah, um, we're gonna. I'm going to be contrary to you again. I, I'm laying the points big here with Auburn. I, I think that I am not a believer in Kentucky. Um, and this may not be a popular opinion on this podcast, but I just, I think Auburn's going to come out and make a statement. I think Auburn's got a good team this year. You know, they got the returning quarterback. Um, give me, if I can get seven points, I'll lay them. If I can get a six and a half, I'll really, I, I would consider locking it in, but, Auburn minus seven seems very soft to me. I, I think that I think this is a this is a fourteen to seventeen point Auburn win, and Auburn uh, shows Kentucky that they are still Kentucky. Uh, ben, can I interest you in at South Point book seven point spread? You know, I really want it six and a half. Um, I tell you what, I tell you what, I'm feeling lucky. I'll press it. Let's go Auburn minus seven. Lock it in. There we go. There we go. Austin, you got anything for us? Yeah, I, so so I don't know how we want to handle it because we could have conflicting locks here, but I love Kentucky at the points. <laughs> this means take Kentucky because uh, last time uh, I did this, Louisville got blown out. No, I, I I'll, so I'll just run through why how I feel about it. Um, so usually it's death taxes and, and Auburn having a great defensive line, but I, I think for the first time in a while, there may actually be um, a, a significant drop-off year over year for them. They lost three starters to the NFL. They just this week, I think, converted an offensive line and a defensive line. I think that's suggestive of probably a lack of depth that they haven't had in recent years, linebacker was going to be a strength for Auburn this year, and then their two top guys opted out. Um, their secondary lost their top four players from last year. Um, now, obviously, look, usually when you expect Auburn to be down is when Malzahn finds a way to win 10 games somehow, pulls a rabbit out of the hat. I just don't know that he can do it this year. And if he gives the keys to the offense to Morris, I'm not really impressed by Chad Morris. I think we now have enough – a body of work or a large enough body of work on Morris to be able to say that his successes over the years, particularly at Clemson may have been due in large part to the horses he was coaching and the talent and not so much to, to his coaching ability. Um, but let's say I'm wrong about that. And Morris is really good. And I'm just missing it. Auburn's replacing four or five starters on the offensive line. Um, Kentucky had a top five scoring last year. They bring back seven starters from the defense. Uh, I remember Nick's being pretty good last year, and then I dug into his numbers, and the metrics aren't really that impressive at all, especially when you consider they had a veteran offensive line and some, some tools and pieces around him. I think Kentucky has a shot to win outright. I'm definitely going to sprinkle some on the money line, but uh, give me Kentucky in the points. 
All right, I'll put a note here because I, I'm seeing that you can get a, a couple of different places. You can get Kentucky 8. Ben, if you decide uh, in the midst of these picks that you want to back off that, man, maybe let Austin grab it, mostly because I looked at the Auburn roster while you were speaking, and, and I mean, I, I, I'm not liking it either. I mean, I think that they lose a ton on defense. They lose uh, their, their best running back, obviously. They lose four of their top seven wide receivers. And you said that they, they lose four starters along the offensive line. I'm only seeing that that fifth starter you speak of only started five games. So, I mean, they they bring back a starter, but it's not a guy who started the full season. So there, there's not a lot I like about Auburn, um, just after a quick glance. Y'all are giving in to the soccer bet. Auburn <laughs> That's right. far better players than Kentucky. Like, Kentucky is 7-1 against the spread in their last eight games. And Auburn is 7-1 against the spread against their last eight games at home. So you're looking at um, somebody. Maybe it's you that are giving it to the sucker bet. Do what? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it's you. (laughs) Maybe. If we we need to do conflicting locks here, we can. Uh, Well, I I mean, I hate to do that. And there's a possibility. Technically. Technically, if you got Kentucky plus eight and locked it in, and Auburn right. minus seven and locked it in, or that's Matt right. Mice, you could both win. Yeah, we land yeah, on that that's seven. Right. That's right. Um, all right. Well, we'll let, we might circle back to that one here in a second. Let's go to uh, Kentucky. Excuse me. You, I, I had it as UTK, so that's where the K came in. Uh, the University of Tennessee at Knoxville uh, is minus three and a half at South Carolina. Zach, cover your eyes. The over-under is 43 and a half. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee wins I, this game. I really like the under there. I really do. I mean, I think it's going to be ugly, like 17-13. See, I think I would take the over, and I think they barely get it. Um, look, all jokes aside, first of all, the Vols are not back. They're they're not going to win the East. They're not going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, whatever the fuck. They're not going to be great, but... Don't look now, but they probably are going to end up with a top 10 SP plus defense. Um, they ended up uh, being really damn good last season. They return a ton of talent on defense led by Henry Toto at linebacker. I think that they are going to be serviceable in 2020. I'm not saying they're going to win. We lose that. Can you not hear me? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, we got you. Did you hear anything I just said about Tennessee? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Yeah, you see what you're saying? It feels like 98. And then go ahead. <laughs> I, look, I I don't think Guarantano is going to be awesome. I don't think that um, Jeremy Pruitt is going to know what asparagus is halfway through the season. But um, I like the Vols defensively to frustrate South Carolina in week one. Um South Carolina is still, it seems like they're always trying to find an offensive coordinator and trying to find an identity on offense under Will Muschamp. Defensively, it's it's kind of like a poor man's Auburn. Like Austin said, you know they're going to have a nice front seven. Look, Coach Boom is always going to have a good defense, but they just can't score. And Brian Edwards is gone. Um, just, I don't know what they're going to be on offense. Uh, Hayden Hurst is gone. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know. Rico Dowdle's gone. Uh, I like Tennessee here to cover. I got it at three and a half. That's easy. Um, but contrary to what Nick said, I like the over. I, I could see like a 26-20 win, 26-17, 26-18. Um, I think they can barely, barely cover the over. I'm not in any way, shape, or form locking it, but 
the Vols here. It's an easy, ugly win for them. South Carolina ended last year really bad. I think they finished the year one and five against the spread, and Tennessee finished it very good. But, you know, that's also a product of what Tennessee plays every single November. Um, that said, I think I don't know how good South Carolina is. I, I think Tennessee covers here. It, the low I saw where you could get it at three, maybe three and a half, the lowest you can get it. I would lay either one. Um, I'm not really sure on the total. I actually like the under. I agree with Nick there, but um, – I'm going to lay the points with Tennessee. I, I just, just strictly because, I mean, I don't, not that necessarily Tennessee is good. I just, I just think South Carolina is not very good this year. I mean, I, I just, I don't think they're going to have a good year. I think they're a really tough time with an all SC schedule. Uh, so give me the Vols. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the Vols probably cover and probably cover comfortably. I think. Uh, but for COVID, any other year, you know, normal year, this is probably a hot seat year for Muschamp. And it may be anyway. He may still be in jeopardy. It may be Billy Napier's job. But um, I don't know. I just don't know how that you know, how he handles that, that pressure coming into the season. Um, tough draw for him right out of the gate because Tennessee does have some talent. They've recruited well up there, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, as Zach said. Um, it feels like the Vols win pretty easily. And if you want to get cute, I don't know what the South Carolina team total is yet, but there's an implied number of 21, right? Feels like I think you go South Carolina team total under if it's at 21 or 20. I don't know that 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 the Gamecocks can put three t- three uh, touchdowns on the board. So low scoring, ugly game. Tennessee probably cruises by double digits. Austin with the uh, degenerate pick of the day. Yeah. yeah. Team total under. Uh- I like it once you say it, though. I mean, like, uh, you know, and no one really mentioned South Carolina getting above 20, and then all of a sudden you throw out the team total, which I would I would think that's going to be, yeah, 23-20. I mean, if you can get it at 21, I definitely think you'd probably feel pretty decent about, you know, an under a push. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, this is probably the most perplexing line of the day. Um, I mean, anyone can start us off here. I have no, no clue what to make of it. Uh, Mississippi State travels down to Baton Rouge. Uh, to play Louisiana State University, and uh, LSU's minus sixteen and a half. I don't. I, I mean, short of saying that the MSU's you know bringing in a new offense and a new quarterback and you know wide receivers that are pretty unproven, uh, LSU's doing the same thing. I, I mean, I guess the offense stayed the same. I guess they lost Joe Brady, new quarterback, receivers are unproven, new running back, new entirely offensive line, but. Again, LSU minus 16 and a half over under 57 and a half. I really have no idea how this game is going to go, but I lean LSU being it's in Death Valley. I know it's not the same Death Valley without a ton of fans, but State's new offense, and not just a new offense, they're doing they're installing the air raid and skill sets for the air raid. I don't think Mississippi State possesses those right now on their roster. Uh, and then you've got KJ Costello, who, you know, was was good at Stanford. I mean, he is now moving from Stanford and Palo Alto and running a pro-style offense to Starkville, Mississippi, and is going to be playing in Baton Rouge in an air raid with uh, a bunch of, you know, decent to not very good receivers. Uh, I think that even though LSU is replacing literally everything, I think LSU is just going to have better players, and they'll be able to find a way 
on defense. I know that they're replacing Dave Aranda, but they're bringing in Bo Pelini, who certainly knows a thing or two about coaching defense. And uh, lest we forget, Nick, State's bringing in an entirely t- new defense as well. They're now going to be running the three-three-five. Um, good luck stopping the LSU run game with three down linemen. I I just don't see that working. I think this is where the Tigers will lean on the run game and will just lean on their athletes to help Miles Brennan in his first start as the LSU quarterback. I like uh, LSU to win here. Um, I think that 16.5 is a little big. I think State might get a late touchdown. So uh, I like the over more so than I like the uh, the line here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think you're right. I don't know what we're gonna see out of out of either team. Uh, I lean taking LSU. Actually, you know what? No, I'm, I definitely lean taking MSU because I just don't know how many how many points LSU can put up. They definitely recruit a different caliber player than MSU. But this is a game that I mean, the crazier things I've seen than MSU winning this outright, just because there are going to be a lot of growing pains for that LSU team. I mean, this is. It's it's essentially like a team got the death penalty, and this is their first game back. I mean, every single player is going to be new, with the exception of of, of Terrace Marshall. Yeah, I'll be quick. I I don't know how you you can uh, and uh, spirit of full disclosure, I stepped away for a second, but you've got to take Mississippi State here. I I just until it. That's so many points in a COVID year coming off of what LSU just did. You know, just naturally, you have to think that they really enjoyed the offseason. Um, uh, and these guys weren't the guys on the field who won. So um, give me state plus 16 and a half. It's just a big line. I mean, it's just a big line for this, for a Miles Brennan quarterback team to have to cover. Uh, I, I just I don't see it. You know, maybe LSU comes out and wins twenty-four to nothing, but I think that even though Leach has had to install his offense very quickly, they'll at least put up some points, and and I think they can keep it. I mean, we're talking about keeping it within two touchdowns and a field goal. It's not like it's not like we're saying State's going to win, even though Nick, like Nick said, I've seen crazier things and then winning out right here. Uh, give me State plus sixteen and a half. Yeah, I agree with Ben. Um, I mean, there are just so many unknowns about both teams. I think we have to lean on what we actually know. And the two things I know or that or I think I know are that State probably has a better quarterback, right? And Oh, yeah, they definitely do. And they probably have the better running back. So They definitely do. And now, look, I know Leach's offense is not necessarily geared for this, but I think Leach is a good enough coach. If things bog down because of their lack of preparation and his inability to install his offense fully or to his liking, he can at minimum turn around and hand the ball off to Colin Hill. You know, it doesn't take much preparation to just give him the ball and get out of the way. So I'm not calling for an outright state win, but this is a lot of points, as Ben said, in a COVID year with lack of preparation, um, massive changes in the LSU program on both sides of the football uh significant losses all over the place both in terms of personnel and staff i think you have to take the points here and if lsu beat you by 17 you tip your cap i think something to note going forward too and let me me know your thoughts on this 
I think LSU benefits more than any other team in the country from their home field advantage, and that's gone this year for the most part. Their, Death Valley is not going to feel like Death Valley. How many points is that worth? I think in a normal year, you're talking four or four and a half points for that home field advantage. It's not going to be worth that going forward. Now, does it matter in game one? Maybe not. But I think it's just something to keep in mind as we get through the year and, and they see some tougher games. It, it's just not going to feel like that value on a Saturday night, and I think that's going to show up on the scoreboard. I mean, you also have to consider Joe Brady's not there. I mean, and when you really sit down and think about it, we're talking about, and this is not me making fun, we're talking about Mike Leach versus Ed Orgeron. I mean, one of those guys is much, much better at making adjustments and improvising than the other. One of them, can't. Have, I mean, just thinks on a different level. That is obvious. And I think, I think Orgeron is cognizant of that, but at the same time, he cannot fall back on an NFL offensive coordinator now. I mean, and and Mike Leach, I mean, he's been calling offense for 30 years. I, I just, I don't know how there's, I mean, and I know we're beating a dead horse. I cannot see LSU covering this. Matter of fact, lock me in. State plus 16 and a half. I mean, I, if that's not been locked, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Green to cowbell. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I just don't know how money's green. Oh, by the way, I kind of like the under, too. I'm not going to lock it in, but I, I think the under makes some sense here with, with teams trying to find their identities, figure out who they are. I don't see the scoreboard getting lit up in week one. You know, it opened at, opened at 48 and a half, and it's gone all the way to 57 and a half, so that under is a good pick. There's a lot of value that's there. A, that, that's that's crazy. an amazing difference. Yeah, I mean, a nine-point difference. Like, you never, you never see anything that large. Um, all right, last game SEC-wise before we get to the rest of our locks, uh, and it's the big one. Uh, noon kickoff on ESPN, Florida Gators, minus 14, and Adam Miss, obviously. And the over-under is 57. As much as I, th- as I want to lean in to the line here and pick the Rebels to cover, I just don't see it in week one. We all know that Dan Mullen likes to uh, – as we like to refer to it, he likes to play with his food a little bit in, in games where um, it may not be a complete opportunity for a beatdown. Uh, he doesn't have any non-con games this year to do that, where he just absolutely blows somebody out. Um, I do think that this one is probably, I wouldn't say closer than, the, closer than the experts think, but I think that Ole Miss can score some points, and I think that Florida will build a, a big enough lead to where they uh, – they cover the 14 and a half. I think something like 37, 20. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, and I think that that's actually right at the under. So I'd be careful with the total. I think Florida covers though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to piggyback that. I, I don't, I actually don't think that this goes over because I think Ole Miss is going to struggle a little bit offensively. Florida's just a good defense. I'm afraid uh, the Corral's going to come out, you know, throw an interception or, or have a fumble or something. He's not going to look great because it's a very good Florida defense. And all of a sudden people are going to be calling for, you know, the backup, whoever that might be, to come in. I feel like that's what's – that's just – we're just destined for that. It's just gonna is be, not that's going to be so terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we can never get lucky and have a quarter, uh, you know, a quarterback battle 
and I guess we did with Chad Kelly, but that wasn't much of a battle. But, you know, to have one and then all of a sudden he comes out and has a good game, it's probably going to be bad because of the opponent. People are going to be clamming for his head. Um, so I think that Florida's going to be – I think it's going to be like a 35-13 type, maybe 35-17, and maybe kind of pushes the line. I don't think Ole Miss covers. I think it's going to be under just because I don't I don't think Ole Miss will score a ton of points. And, and Florida, you know, I mean, they, they, they're going to bring back Trask. They lose Michael Piran and, and a lot of those receivers. But continuity at the quarterback position is a big deal, especially, you know, whenever you've had a, an abbreviated sp- – uh, excuse me, no spring and an abbreviated fall practice, that is a big deal. And I think that will probably be enough early and they'll get the cover. So Nick and I talked about this the other, other night while we were watching uh, Miami-Louisville. My biggest fear on the season, and and we've honestly not really talked about Ole Miss yet um, on this podcast, uh, and I think it's probably everybody's, other than getting into another quarterback controversy throughout the year, The big, my biggest fear of this season is, is football teams, and I'm talking about all of them, besides maybe Arkansas and Vanderbilt, and I'm not even sure them are going to be able to line up and run right at Ole Miss – and Ole Miss is going to be able to do nothing about it. it I, I'm afraid that Ole Miss is going to give up five-plus yards of carry this year because I think the linebackers are really good, and and Matt Luke did not recruit the defensive line, and that's why. I am so tired of hearing online about how good he left the roster. He did not recruit the defensive line. Now, Ole Miss is good on offense. Ole Miss has good offensive players. Ole Miss has good offensive linemen. Ole Miss has good linebackers. Ole Miss has decent defensive backs, but the defensive line was left thin. Not only is it thin, they weren't highly ranked recruits, and, and I'm sure they're great kids. I don't want y'all to say me talking bad about them. They chose to play for Ole Miss, and God knows. I hope they're the number one defensive line in the conference this year. But they're, when the years that Ole Miss has been good and the years that Ole Miss has been able to beat Florida, they have great defensive lines. I mean, in 14 and 15, the D-line had four and five stars all over it. And if they weren't, it was like Marquise Haynes who ran a 10-flat 100-meter. So we're talking about uh, – we're, we're comparing apples to oranges when we compare this team to previous teams who could beat schools like Florida. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, I think 57 – the line opened at 64 – the total opened at 64 – it's down to 57, which is a full seven points. I still think that's high. Like, I just don't know. If it reaches 57, Ole Miss has gotten blown out. Because I, I just – Florida is good on defense and as good as I think Ole Miss can be on offense. You know, I, we have not seen – we have not had a quarterback or a or – a, and, and I hope Corral becomes this guy or Plunt or whoever it is. We have not had a quarterback command the offense like – Chad Kelly did and really like Tom who did and and we have not had that vertical threat like we did so many years in a row from Bo Wallace in 12 all the way through 17 or 18 or whatever year that was with Tom and and AJ Brown and those guys we just have not been able to replicate that since and so until we get that back I just don't know how we're going to be able to to get reach this total of 57. So I think the under is the play there. Um, and I've taught myself into Florida covering. Really, I was coming into this going to say <laughs> Ole Miss plus 14, I, you know, just 
just to be a fan. So I'm going to take Ole Miss plus 14. I'm not locking anything in, but that's just because I want to cheer. You know, I'm, I'm going to cheer for Ole Miss. And and uh, my mind tells me that, that Florida wins this something like 31 to 13, like Nick said, 35, 13. I, and frankly, I think it's just because I don't know how Ole Miss is going to stop anybody on the ground. I, and I have not seen them practice, and I hope I am wrong. It just seems seems like it's going to be a long year there. You're really throwing cold water on my Rebs money line pick, Ben. <laughs> Did you protect no, the Rebs no, money line? No, no, not at all. I I agree completely <laughs> with you. I uh, look, I I've, I looked at this game from a lot of angles, gambling and otherwise, just trying to find you know some optimism and motivation to like the Rebs, and I can't find an an angle or an edge really in any facet or at any position. I mean, I, do you guys think that we have a decided advantage anywhere on the field? I, I don't I don't think we do. And um, not only do we not have an advantage, I think Uniforms. where we have – Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Where we have disadvantages, they are often large disadvantages and, and lopsided mismatches. I think Ben pointed out the, the most glaring disparity – which will be their offensive line against our defensive line. I don't know what will stop Mullen from just lining up and running power whenever he needs to pick up four yards, five yards, 20 yards. Um, I still think we can stop him. Um, so that's a problem, uh, especially if you're trying to find a way to take the points. <laughs> Once the snowball starts, starts rolling downhill, I, I don't know how we stop that. Um, they're really good on 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 both sides of the ball. If Florida is just a well-rounded team, and as much as you may dislike him, and God knows I do, they're a well-coached team. Um, I don't see an edge for us anywhere. I think in order for us to be competitive and have a shot, it's going to have to be some really you know funky things that happen. They're going to turnovers, trick Snap plays, it over the punter's head. Yeah, We're yeah, which is possible. Yeah, it is. But. Um, if you're betting it, I don't see how you uh, have much confidence in the revs and the points. I think you have to lay the, the number. I don't really have a strong feeling about the total either way. I think there's the chance that we get loose a couple times, maybe take some deep shots or, or, or stick it in on some garbage time touchdowns. But otherwise, not a great week for the Rebels. It's just not a good matchup for us, and that happens when you have a roster like ours. We're in, we're in rebuilding mode. That's obvious. Mullen has a very good roster top to bottom. So, you know, hopefully we're competitive. Hopefully we see some things out of young guys that give us some hope for the future. But I think it has the potential to get ugly quickly for us on Saturday. Hopefully not. I'd love to be wrong. I hope I hope we have 10 sacks and don't give up a rushing yard. I do. Uh, you know, and and I would be there. And, and I hope, like I said, I hope we win. I hope we win by three touchdowns. I cannot stand Dan Mullen. He's probably he is probably my least favorite college football coach out there. I mean, cannot stand him. But like you said, Austin, he can coach, man. And and now he's not playing with two stars from from Beaumont, Texas. I mean, there are no there are no Tyson Lees on that roster. He's in Florida. <laughs> he's going to have good play. I mean, you know, and and I, I said all off season, I was like, look, just take the Revs. Revs, we, we will upset somebody this year. I I firmly believe that we have too much speed on offense to not get loose a few times, like you said, and score. I'm afraid Dan Mullen is very good about taking the air out of the ball, and he will. I mean, if if it comes to it, 
he will run get just get four yard run after four yard run and run the play clock down to one and run the timeout before that before he would let anything like that happen. Um, yeah, this is. I want to take Ole Miss plus four, and I'm and I'm doing it, but but there again, I just don't see it. Uh, all right, uh, that was Rosie. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on from that. Um, I'm sure how we come back from that. But uh, Austin, uh, you let, have let any, me ask uh, y'all this. Let me ask y'all this before we go to the locks uh, to finish those up. What and, and the what caliber, what conference caliber is our defense right now? Like, would our defense be it's the AAC. number one defense? AAC. That's what I think too. I agree. Group of yeah. five. I mean, there's 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 talent there. I, I mean, think it's – yeah, AAC is a good – ACC maybe if you look at like – I think they're probably better than Wake Forest, but definitely not Clemson. Just as a whole, <laughs> the unit. I think just, they're somewhere between Clemson and Wake Forest, yeah. <laughs> somewhere between Vanderbilt and Alabama. Yeah, somewhere in that spectrum. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's uh let's get our locks in second week in a row that we've got three apiece. Um I'll go first because I needed to fill mine out. So I've already got UAB minus six and a half Thursday as you listen to this today, this evening. Uh so you got the Blazers Lamb minus six and a half. I've been going totals all year. Uh aside from a couple lines, I'm gonna go all lines here. I got Baylor minus seventeen. And their opener at home, McLean Stadium, on the Brazos. I think Kansas is absolute dog shit. Um, and I think <laughs> that uh, with Michael Brewer back at quarterback for Baylor, I think Dave Aranda, yeah, I think Dave Aranda and company are gonna uh, hit him in the mouth and try to put up some points to uh, to score a lot to impress recruits and blah blah blah. Uh, mostly Kansas just sucks, so lay the points there. Then Texas, minus 18 on the road in Lubbock. I saw what Texas Tech – I saw what they call pass defense when they played Houston Baptist, and that ain't it. Um, I think that Texas is going to have their way with them uh, through the air. Um, uh, Heisman front runner, uh, favorite, uh, odds on favorite to take the trophy for the fourth straight year. Sam Ellinger is going to have his way with the Red Raiders. So um, I think that that is who I'm taking. Did I steal someone's pick? Oh, yeah. Who did I take? That's fine. I'll change it. I'll change it. No, 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 no. No, Well, well, you brought it up, so it is a big deal, so I'll change it. Um, (laughs) No, you take so, Austin. Go ahead. You so have, which one? So which one did I take? Baylor. No, it's fine. It's fine. I don't. You know what? You're gonna lose that pick. Austin, take it away. <laughs> See, God. and so look, I wanted to take Army, but I read the sheet, so I'm not gonna do that to Nick. I'm gonna go <laughs> with West Virginia plus whatever. What is it? Seven and a half, eight. Tell me over a touchdown. Uh, West Virginia. I don't think they're getting quite. Uh, they're getting seven and a half. They're getting seven yep. and a half. Lock in the uh, the Mountaineers at seven and a half. Oklahoma State did not look good in week one against Tulsa. The quarterback got hurt. Sanders is a really good player. I think he's probably going to be back. 
But even if he's back, he almost certainly won't be at 100%. I think more concerning for Oklahoma State is that their lines of scrimmage got sort of pushed around by Tulsa. So I trust West Virginia to be able to at least duplicate Tulsa's effort. Tulsa does have a really good quarterback. I think he's kind of slept on. But I trust Neil Neil Brown in year two to get West Virginia up. Touchdown and a, and a hook is uh, too much. Uh, all right, you, you went ahead and mentioned my second one, so I'll go ahead and and, and 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 lock this one in. Army is getting 14 and a half. Most books are at 13, but I, I believe at the uh, South Point uh, book out in, out in Vegas, they're getting 14 points. If you're getting two touchdowns with Army, there's just not enough possessions in a game. I mean, talk about not enough hours in a day. There's not enough possessions for Army to lose by more than two tu- to lose by two plus touchdowns. They're going to score a couple times. They always do. I don't think that the, the discrepancy between Cincinnati and Army is enough that they just get shut out. Uh, this is going to be like a 21-14 or a 28-17 type of game. Not a ton of points, a ton of possessions. But when you, anytime you're getting two full possessions with Army, you got to take it. Yeah, so three things there, too, that made me love it. Uh, Cincinnati's quarterback's a little banged up, and Ritter. They only scheduled this game, by the way, in late August. So it's not Cincinnati had all summer to prepare for the triple option. And Army basically had a COVID-induced bye week last week. So Army should be healthy and fresh since he didn't have any time to prepare for the the triple. And their quarterback is a little dinged up. I, I, I love Army. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, Ben, your turn. I appreciate you adding all those for me. Uh, Austin, you're making me look good. It's kind of been my my way to just be a little sharp the last last weekend at work for me. So I'm going to do it again here. Well, y'all may not think it. I'm sorry I did not look at the sheet. Um, I'm going to ride this heater here. I I did this with Ole Miss two years ago when we went 0 8 against the spread in conference play. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to take. UT San Antonio minus six against Middle Tennessee. Um, <laughs> middle is is just horrifically bad. Uh, their last five scores, 47-14, 42-nothing. Uh, they did play West Kentucky to five, beat Old Dominion, and then lost to Rice. Uh, not only that, but their, their two scores this year are just so bad. And, and frankly, I took them to cover the, in week one, and I'm salty about it. So I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to stay against them. I, I mean, they've been out and scored 89 to 14 in their first two games. And it's not like they played, you know, Clemson and Alabama. They played Troy and Army. Um, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to take Texas San Antonio. I think that, it, you know, playing at home, um, I don't really like, uh, uh, think that Texas Antonio's beat anybody of substance. Matter of fact, I think who they play Stephen F. Austin and and uh, um, Texas State, uh, but they did State, win. Yeah. So uh, Texas, you know, UTSA averages 500 yard total yards a game. Middle Tennessee is averaging 212 yards of offense a game while giving up 432. They suck. So uh, getting outscored, average 44 and a half seven. Give me Texas San Antonio. Mm. All right, Austin, you got another one for us? Are we counting my, my Kentucky or no? 
Look, if you if you if that's what you want, if you're you're adamant that's about that, I want, it in what I want more than anything in the world. That's what I want is uh, Kentucky because <laughs> okay. they're going to win outright. So I just want to be able to rub that in on the next pod. Um, so do, do we need a third for me? Uh, I'm currently scrolling down the sheet here as Army's been taken off the board. I may double back here and lock in Tennessee. We didn't have any resistance yeah. or. or a pick to that or a different pick there did we no 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 i like it all right yep let me lock in the balls feels like 98 <laughs> all right all right it does it does it, there's i mean there's more games on the board this week because the sec added but it doesn't feel like there's more games on the board i guess because i'm just looking around the, the league or i guess the nation and i'm seeing a whole bunch of big spreads Oklahoma and Kansas State's 28 you've got the big spreads in the SEC it just doesn't I mean Texas is favored by 18 at Texas Tech that doesn't seem like a game you would want any part of I mean the over under at 70 I don't know why you would do that um I, you know what I'll, I'll take it uh, uh go ahead on the road I think Iowa State's giving two and a half points at TCU uh the over under is 44 and a half there and now this one may come back and bite me in the butt, but it just this just seems like a rock fight type of game. I, this is not a game you turn on in the fourth quarter and it and it's 35-31. It never happens. This is a game that is 17-13. Uh, the punter has you know, snapped one over the back of, out of the back of the end zone for a safety mm-hmm. 17-12 type game. I don't Iowa State and, T- and TCU screams rock fight. So yeah. I'll go ahead and lock in under. I'm seeing it at 45. Actually, at, on, on DraftKings, so give me under 45. I'll give you another free one. I would just lock in the Horn Frogs. I don't think Iowa State is worth a damn. Yeah, do, and you could be right. Be back, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I, and I just, TCU, I mean, they're kind of up and down. You talk about a team like Auburn that kind of goes up and down. TCU is a team that, you know, one year is, is doing great, one year's not. But the TCU doesn't have anybody coming back from, on, on the quarterback side. They lost their top two running backs, and they obviously lost Jalen Rieger, who was, I, I believe, a first-round NFL draft pick. If not, he was a top two-round draft pick. So uh, that, that to me, just – I mean, it's the, it's the first game, I believe, for TCU. If not, it's the first game of any substance for them. So this is a game that is just going to be low-scoring – Maybe we'll get some wind out at TCU, and and we'll get a we'll get an easy wonder. We we should have mentioned this too when when uh, Zach and Nick were fighting over the Baylor pick. Uh, <laughs> this this will be Baylor's what fourth or fifth first game to prepare for. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's their third in three weeks, and I think fourth overall. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what impact it may have on them covering or not covering. But I I just you think. That level of preparation every week for a different game has to take a toll mentally at some point where the kids at some point just say, you know, screw it. Yeah, and to add on to that, I think that uh, Houston has had all four of their scheduled opponents canceled. Uh, They had North Texas canceled earlier today, so they're not going to open up until October 5th, uh, finally. Mm -hmm. I mean, assuming they could play then. Against Tulane, imagine if Ole Miss had four separate games canceled. The amount of angst we would feel. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's about the amount of angst that I feel. Our, uh, our uh, 
discrepancies with picking our games. But hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you're uh, when you're doing a podcast on a weekday. And uh, but yeah, so we've got uh, three apiece. So that's twelve more winners for you. Um, coming off back-to-back weeks where we won 14 overall. Um, so it's going to be another good week for the Legal Gambling Council. We appreciate you all hanging in with us, dealing with all the technical difficulties, all the personal and uh, gambling difficulties as we battle over the, uh, <laughs> the Bears. Um, but, uh, to, just to add on real quick. No, oh, yeah, please, do. A please do. Well, a little inside baseball here. Uh, as Zach was typing on the spreadsheet, and he wanted UTSA minus six and a half. Ben was saying it out loud, so that was <laughs> that was kind of where Zach was getting attacked from all angles. I just thought yeah. I might I might kind of kind of throw that on there for y'all. Yeah, it's the okay. tiebreaker goes to the speaker too, not the typer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I uh, yeah, good good picks by everybody. However, we get them on the sheet. However, we get them to you. Uh, so yeah, join us this week as we uh, as we lock these in. Have fun this week, everyone watching SEC football. Stay safe out there. Uh, We'll be back next week. So for Austin, for Ben, for Nick, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out.